This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to Front Office Features. I am Rob Crane, and today our guest is Elliot Critchfield, who is the Director of Membership Sales for the Denver Nuggets. Unbelievable interview. He gives a few quotes in here that I am going to take everywhere I go. They were just so insightful and so amazing. I just love them so much. Um, Elliot right now in his role hires people all the time and gives some marvelous anecdotes on what it takes to separate yourself from others who are interviewing for the same job. And going through his history, he also might be the greatest inside salesperson of all time when he was with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Every record he has, uh, every record that the Pirates have, he owns. Amazing. Um, I just love this interview because I felt a lot of his insight could be instantly translated to a lot of our listeners, and I think it can be very helpful. But before we get to the interview, we have a sponsor today. This episode is sponsored by the Personal Revolution Podcast. Have you ever been stuck inside wondering how to take charge of your life? Is there something you want to do but haven't been able to do yet? Um, I'm on the same page of this, right? I have a book upstairs that's been sitting on my coffee table and haven't gotten nearly as far into it uh, as I want about being a better sales guy. You think that I would want to do that right now and just finish that book in a day, but I haven't. So I need to listen to the podcast. Well, in Personal Revolution, best-selling author and life coach, Allison Task helps you. Allison Task might, might be the greatest name of a personal life coach of all time. Task, love it. Uh, Allison Task helps you take control of your life with inspiration and humor so that you move from where you are now to where you want to be and have fun doing it. It's like having a pers- personal life coach whispering in your ear. This three-month podcast course, along with bonus episodes each month, will help you create a clear vision for what you want out of life. Uh, Remove the frustrating blocks that are holding you back. Develop a detailed action plan that will help you, that will drive you to where you want to be. And build the network, like we talk about all the time, that will help you create your future. The personal Revolution Podcast comes with a personal workbook and real-time access to a community of other change makers working toward their goals with positivity, possibility, and momentum. And for a limited time, all of this is available to you for free. Can't beat that price. Download the Himalaya app in your app store, look up Personal Revolution, and enter promo code REVOLUTION at checkout to get your first month absolutely free. If you're ready to get after a better life, you are ready for a personal revolution. 
All right, I lied to you. We're not getting right to Elliot Critchfield because I've got to tell you about a big, big event happening on Friday, April 10th, 9 o'clock Eastern. Uh, we are having a virtual happy hour. Chris and I, and I hope a whole bunch of you, will uh, join our Zoom call uh, as we tell stories, we have a drink, uh, we, as long as you're 21 plus, uh, and we just talk about what's going on. Felt, felt like it was a good time to get with other fellow uh, front office uh, features listeners and just have a good time. So again, Friday, April 10th, 9 o'clock Eastern. The Zoom meeting ID is 935-685-367. If you can't remember those numbers, look at our social media feed. It is there, but it is Friday, April 10th, 9 o'clock, virtual happy hour with Chris and I and a whole bunch of front office features listeners. I can't wait for this. I am so, so pumped. All right, now to the good stuff. Uh, Elliot Critchfield, the director of membership sales for the Denver Nuggets. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Front Office Features. I am Rob Crane. Today we've got a guest and his name is Elliot Critchfield. He is the Director of Membership Sales for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Elliot, welcome to Front Office Features. Rob, thank you for having me, sir. It is a pleasure to have you um, and very thankful that you, you would join us. So um, let's go through a little bit about you know where you came from. You went to West Virginia University and did the whole kind of business sports admin. You were part of the sports management club, um, but you also served uh, in the National Guard. So first and foremost, thank you for your service. But your college experience has to be uh, a bit different than the average person's. Can you talk a little bit about what your life was like uh, when you were in college? Yeah, absolutely, Rob, and, and obviously can can happily dive into some details here. So uh, I'm actually from 84 Pennsylvania is my hometown, um, small small country town south of, of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, basically halfway between Pittsburgh and, and, and West Virginia. So always had aspirations for, for one reason or another. I, I couldn't even tell you the reason, uh, but always wanted to attend West Virginia University. Uh, and, and for me personally growing up, um, always thought I would essentially get a, a baseball scholarship at the, that next level. Um, unfortunately, again, you can't tell by the, the podcast, I'm a little vertically challenged. So <laughs> really the, uh, the scholarship that I had wanted. So I had to start looking elsewhere for, for some other opportunities to, to really pay for school. Um, and, and at the time in, in high school, I was actually, um, I was a musician. Uh, so I played in the band and uh, my uh, what What, 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 uh, what, what, uh, what instrument did you play? A little bit of everything. My my main one was saxophone, but I was also in a bunch of like the the rock bands and stuff like that growing up. So played drums, guitar, bass. Wow, uh, nice everything. So um, I was we we're doing our spring concerts uh, the my senior year of high school, and uh, an individual came up to me after the the show where I had a couple of features in the jazz band, and he came up to me and he's like, "Hey, have you ever thought about playing professionally?" And and at the time, I, I mean, I'm a 17 year old kid. Um, thought this guy's crazy. I'm like, no, I have never thought about that. I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, and, and he was actually a part of the the Army National Guard. Um, and and he was in a, a professional musician in the guard where they played high profile events and 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 send offs and homecomings and and a lot more of okay. the the government side of things. And it sounded interested. He's like, hey, you can be a full time uh, musician. We can you can get a full ride to school to do it as well. And we're actually located in in Morgantown, West Virginia. So um, weirdly enough, all stars kind of aligned. 
um, where I was able to to get the audition and and I I got the opportunity and shipped out to to Army Basic Training uh, two days after I graduated high school. So 17 years old, I actually had to have my mom help sign off on a um, my enlistment because I wasn't old enough to to essentially sign up for the military on my own because I wasn't 18. Um, huh. I went off to to Fort Benning, Georgia. Um, and the funny story about it, Rob, is actually we had signed up so late. Um, again, I was going in as a musician. The only slot they had was um, a 11 Bravo position, which is infantry in Fort Benning, Georgia. Um, so that's that's basically frontline troop, um, the hardest of the hard basic training outside of obviously like the SEALs and the high level stuff. Um, but went to the the hardest level of, of basic training, and, and I was going to play the saxophone in college for it. So it was. <laughs> it was, it was uh, it was a great experience. And, and again, I wouldn't take anything back. It was, I went to uh, Fort Benning, Georgia. It was in Columbus uh, all throughout that summer of, this was 2005, um, 110 degrees every single day with, with 120% humidity uh, and, and learned how to uh, be a soldier. And, and, and to be honest with you, the best thing I ever did, it, it made me grow up as a, a person. Um, again, I was a little bit more of a jerk in, in high school and it made me grow up a lot. Um, but gave me the structure and the discipline that I needed um, that, that set me up for to where I am now. And I, and I take a lot from that. So uh, the reason why I'm on that tangent, uh, again, give a little bit more substance. So to discuss as far as when I was in school, yeah. didn't know what I wanted to do, Rob. And, and I was actually uh, going into college as a, a music major. And, and in, call, uh, in basic training over that summer, I basically had a a, a, a light bulb go off that this is not necessarily what I wanted to do. Like I, I didn't want to teach music the rest of my life. It, it's not what I was necessarily passionate about. Um, I really bounced around a lot. I, I think I changed my major probably three or four times, which again, I know a lot of people go through that. Like, how are you supposed to know what you want to do in life at, at 18, 19, 20 years old? Um, and was able to uh, have this one sports marketing class um, that I took as an elective just to, to kind of check a box. And, and after going through the class and realizing that there could be potentially a career in, in sports, I was hooked. Uh, I found an opportunity with the, the Washington Wild Things, which was a, a minor league uh, baseball team my sophomore year of college and, and did that with, with no college credits, no, no pay, basically just did to get the experience and something on my resume. And that's where I found my affinity for for wanting to work in in sports as a career, I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I get to work around a baseball field all day. I get to interact with with some professional athletes, and, and I say professional, I still deem them that, even though it's the lowest level of baseball. Hey, um, they get paid. They're pro- they're professionals. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was it was the most fun job I've, I've ever had to this day in, in my life. Um, again, I was on the operations side of things, so doing a lot of grounds crew. One of the first ones in, last one out. I did a little bit on the baseball ops side as well, as I played ball throughout. Um, throughout uh, my my upbringing, and, and actually coached some high school baseball uh, while I was in so school as well. That that's an interesting thing. Um, can you talk about? Because uh, I know nothing about this. I've been in minor league baseball sixteen years, but always in affiliated um, in independent leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, and talk about the baseball operation side. There's a, a tons of listeners that want to get into the baseball ops side here, but they always think, you know, Red Sox and Pirates and, you know, the major league clubs. What goes on in a baseball offside of an independent league club? And how did you kind of navigate your way to at least getting your foot in the water in, uh, in that area of the, in, uh, of that area of the team? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the the beauty of of minor leagues, Robin, and again, if you've been in this world, you, you know this, you, you kind of wear a bunch of different hats, right? Like even if you're, say you're in the sales team, right? Like there's going to be multiple times throughout the year, you're going to pull tarp. Uh, and I think, Amen. We, I, I think we counted it one year um, in, in Washington, PA, we, we did, I think it was like 72 tarp pulls in, in one <laughs> short season. Um, it was crazy. But again, a lot of fun doing it. So I think for for me, again, having the the ability to work for a minor league team and, and independent ball, I got to wear a couple of hats during my time there and, and experience everything. And, and we had a great general manager at the time and, and president of the team, Ross Vecchio, um, who, who's still a, a scout for the Seattle Mariners and still living on the, the baseball side of things out there. Uh, on the professional world and do some things from other teams uh, really opened us up to giving us opportunities outside of what our own specialty was. So again, I'm, I was more on the the grounds crew side of things, doing a lot more of the stadium ops, but having the exposure to do a little bit of both uh, myself and, and one of our interns who he's, um, he's still in sports today too. Um, Jonah Rosenthal, he's actually one of the the scouting guys for the, the Dodgers. Um, we clicked pretty well. He, he, he was doing a little bit more on the baseball side. I was a little bit more on the, the off sides, but we got to get a little experience of everything. So in, in independent ball, it's, it's very interesting, right? So you're, you're essentially following a lot of the MLB draft, which is a, a million different rounds. Uh, you're, you're tracking guys that essentially don't have the opportunity to sign with a team that are either maybe on their, their way up and coming after school that still have a passion for wanting to play the game and, and want to move up to the affiliated and, and potentially get signed by a team or you're dealing with guys that are essentially a little bit more on their their way back down and, and still have that that want and drive to to play at the professional level. So it's an interesting mix. The Wild Things still do uh, great things there. It's a great shop. I, I believe they are actually in the, the championship game last year. I think they are runners up. Um, but I'm very thankful for that experience because it, it opened my eyes up to the, the business side of sports. So you make the transition from working grounds crew pulling tarp uh, baseball offside to inside sales um, with the Pirates. What made you want to make that transition? Yeah, so I was very fortunate from a very early on um, time in my industry to have great leaders and great mentors that that always took a professional stock in, in my career. So the GM, the team, Ross, and then my direct boss, Steve Zavacki, who's still with the team, um, kind of sat me down and we talked about what my my career ambitions were and, and where I wanted to go on the business side, where, again, I love the operations piece, don't get me wrong, but it's just not, not something I necessarily saw myself doing for the rest of my career. And as you know, too, like once individuals are in those verticals, it's it's sometimes almost a life or position. So there's not many opportunities to, to basically continue to elevate your career. So they sat me down and we, we talked about my goals, my ambitions, where I wanted to go. And, and they uh, they opened my eyes up to, to wanting to do sales. And, and again, based off of my personality and, and my drive and where I wanted to go, they said it would definitely be the route to go. And, it, and it's definitely something you have to learn in order to move up on the business side. So I was very fortunate to land an interview with the, the Pittsburgh Pirates at the time. Um, and this is about a, probably about a year outside of being uh, of school after I graduated. I went through an all-day uh, sales combine, sales workshop, however you want to label it, where there was about 16 of us where we basically got an, an all-day crash course on, on sales 101 in sports. Um, at that time, we were actually fortunate to get off on the phones later that afternoon and um, and call some single game buyers based off the, the all of five hours of training we got to, um, at, at that point. And 
I was able to land a position. I think three of us from that that interview got the role, and then I started in, in inside sales with the Pittsburgh Pirates about two months later. And you crushed it. You crushed it. Like you're the greatest inside sales person in the history of Pittsburgh Pirates, I believe. You were like one of first people, one of only four people to ever generate $100,000 in nine months. And there's uh, countless uh, awards that you've gotten where you uh, top sales person of the months all time. You've got uh, highest revenue weeks of like ever. And like what made you so successful from a person not that many years ago, had no idea what they were going to do, come in as, as a music major. And now you come in and crush inside sales. What was it that was like, man, that just works for, for me. And those like, what kind of personal personality attributes, I guess is my real question that led you to like, this is it. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate the, the kind of words, and you're definitely making me sound a lot better than I was, so I appreciate <laughs> that, that piece of it. Um, I was very fortunate that I came into the Pittsburgh Pirates at, at a great time, meaning we they were had just revamped their inside sales program, um, and they were building up a, a best practice shop with some great leaders, uh, and I kind of got to be on essentially the ground floor of that um, and, and go out, and, and, and I was had some success on the sales board. Don't get me wrong. There's there's a lot of people that have come through since then and, and blow my numbers completely out of the water. Um, but we came in with a, a very a very bad team on the field for all intents and purposes. We we at that point I think had lost 105 games uh, that previous year. I started in October, so I'm basically coming in at, right at the end of the season after we lost 105 games, and and it was tough sledding. And, and Pittsburgh, as you know, is it, we we talked before, so you have a little bit of a a past in that area. Um, it's a very passionate fan base and they're very blue collar. Um, whether they hate the team, like the team, hate the owner, like, uh, don't like the owner, whatever they're passionate about that product. Right. So we had some very spirited conversations earlier on in my career, um, on, on me trying to convince some people that investing in the team was, was a, a great option. But to go backwards, I think for me personally, how I was able to get success, I've always put it back to my, my leaders. I had a phenomenal inside sales manager in, in Travis Apple, who, who's still one of my biggest mentors today. I actually talked to him last week. We were going back and forth, um, or it might have been even earlier this week. Uh, but we had a great leadership team around there. Lou DePauli was our, our CMO, CSO, um, who is, is one of the, the founders of Teambo. Chris Zaber, who's uh, our VP at the time, is now the New York Mets. Justin Gurney, who's now SVP of, of Prudential and the Devils, um, Ravid Jemison, Jim Popovich. I can go on and on, but really how I, I translate my success, it was just them setting me up for it. Um, for me, the personality traits that, that I valued in inside sales and, and one that we still look for today, I just came in with the same work ethic that I, I took to other parts of, of my life. Like I, I grew up in the country. I didn't have a great business acumen, but I, I knew how to dig ditches and work in a hayfield, right? And, and I took that same mentality to the military and then I, I took that into into sales and and there were people that were much more talented than me and, and they still are more talented today, but I just refused anyone to, to outwork me. And that's where I just took that mentality. First one in, try to be the last one out. I'm a little bit more of an early bird anyway, um, was trying to get in the office early, get my lead list ready, get prepared for the day. So money making hours, 8.30 to 5.30, um, I was trying to to outwork everybody, um, but that's kind of what my mentality was for the whole position. 
I love that. I would just yell, preach, 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 because uh, on our podcast, we talk a lot about, uh, we should have a t-shirt made called effort and attitude, right? There's only two things in life you control is your effort and your attitude. Uh, and if you go in there and just work your butt off and like you said, dig ditches, if you will, um, then good things will, will come of it. And it sounds like that's uh, what happened in, in, in Pittsburgh uh, for you. So being a Pennsylvania you know, Western PA, Pittsburgh, West Virginia kind of guy, you head on, head on out to Denver. What was it about the opportunity in Denver uh, that you just couldn't pass up? Yeah, great question. Um, and, and by far one of the, the toughest decisions I've had to make in my career, but at the end of the day, it was one of the best ones. Um, I was in a great spot in Pittsburgh, don't get me wrong. I, I had been selling at a high level for, for a couple of seasons. Um, I was being um, given opportunities to, to get my feet wet on, on leadership opportunities, learn how to, to recruit, how to train, how to interview um, and, and develop the, the future leaders of our industry. Um, but at that point, I was getting to the level where I had basically not necessarily tapped out, if that makes any sense, but I feel like I had everything that I could on the, the sales side and was wanting more. Um, and, and from an early age in my my career, I was always taught to, again, not necessarily chase the logo, chase the boss. Um, there, there was a great opportunity that was presented to me in, in Denver to come in as a an inside sales manager. And, and it was a shop for for all intents and purposes. Um, the polit- most political way I can put it, it was a little lackluster at the time. And they were bringing in a brand new leadership team to, to rebuild the foundation of what that organization looked like. And um, had the opportunity to get in front of, of names like David Burke, who is our CTO, and and Rob Zor, um, who was our, our VP at the time that had just been brought in from the Houston Rockets, uh, who had connections to some of my former bosses uh, in Pittsburgh. And at that time, my uh, two of my former bosses, Justin Gurney and Raven Jemison, were at the, the NBA League offices, so were able to put in a, a good word for me as well. So went out, interviewed, um, checked a lot of the boxes that I was I was looking to check on the the leadership side, I was having the ability to take over uh, an inside sales program and make an impact and, and try to build a, a best practice shop. Um, and then on the personal side, my wife and I had, had always had some ambitions on, on getting out West at some point. So it checked a lot of the boxes. Now, I never say choose a destination um, or an opportunity based on the location, but I'd be lying to you if it wasn't saying icing on the cake to, to move out to, to Denver and and live in a, in a great, healthy living city as well. So um, looking back on it, again, I had other opportunities that were presented to me. Some I was I was given, some I turned down. Like the dominoes just fell the right way, in my opinion, and, and I'm in a great spot here in Denver. I, uh, I lo- I'm i going to steal this, uh, and I may not give you uh, rights to this, but uh, don't chase the logo, chase the boss. Uh, I love that. Uh, I love that. Uh, and I'm definitely going to steal that. Hell, I might even make a T-shirt of it. That's do, you need roy- sure do you need royalties from it? I'm pretty sure I stole from someone else anyway. So. <laughs> All good ideas are stolen, right? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I've, uh, as I've been researching you and what you've been doing is you seem to love growing future sports business leaders. Um, what is it about watching others grow that excites you the most? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me personally, I'm a rare case of like when I was in inside sales from almost the get go, um, watching what my my boss, Travis Apple, was doing with us day in and day out um, and, and some of the other leaders, Justin and, and, and Chris. I'm like, I knew that's what I wanted to do. 
right? And, and I came from the leadership background when I was in the military. Um, I coached high school baseball, so I had a passion for wanting to coach and develop uh, individuals. Obviously, that was a little bit more on the player side. Um, but I wanted to be able to translate that in business and, and make that a career. And, and I tell this to our, our current inside sales manager, Will Weinstock, who reports to me, I think inside sales manager is by far the, the best position in the entire organization. Now, don't get me wrong. It, it has its challenges and, and it's um, the emotional roller coaster you have to go through in that position as well. But it, it's awesome to see an individual come in that is brand new to the industry. Most of the time has never worked in in sales before. Most of the time has never had a, a full-time gig working in, in the professional world to see where they are on day one coming straight out of school where they have no idea what they're doing. Most times still can't tie a tie or, or, or dress professionally or so on and so forth. But then to see them eight, six, 12 months later on, on what they develop into and, and how they're able to get the next opportunity to sell at a high level, man, it, it's by far one of the most rewarding things that you can you can see because again, you had the the impact on that person, and and again, I feel like it's now just me giving it back to the same thing that I was given early on in my career. So you're so into this, um, and I love it. So there's a couple of questions that I have in regards to this. Is can you talk a little bit about your on the same kind of path? Can you talk a little bit about the leadership 101 that I see you can sign up for online and that you're that you're doing? I thought that was uh, awesome and very innovative. Yeah, I appreciate that. And again, just another thing I stole, Rob, is again, I'll give my my buddy JB, uh, James Bryan here at the Rapids, full credit for as he he did that a couple days before me and I, and I stole a, a piece out of his playbook. But um, it's been fun. So obviously, it's, it's some unprecedented times right now with us all working from home and, and, and we're an industry that has historically never done that, right? So yep. having the ability to, same thing, put... Um, a flyer out there for anybody that's looking to get into a leadership position. Um, just have a, a quick 30 minute chat with me and discuss the, the successes that I had doing it and, and more so a lot of the failures that I, I had along the way and how I learned from it and, and just offering up some advice. Um, and I did the same thing when I was looking to get into a leadership position. I was, I was, I was calling on a, a bunch of individuals that had just transitioned into a leadership position and networking and, and learning best practices and, and, and how they were able to, to navigate the, the world of, of being a seller than going into a leader. So it's the same thing. I'm just giving back to what was given to me um, a, a couple of years ago before I progressed into it. So you talked about your failures. What were one of the biggest failures that you learned from? Yeah, I mean, I, I, and me a ton. We don't have enough time to, to go through. <laughs> well, yeah, you want to talk about the failures today, or you want to? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I, I'm with you. Right. I mean, I, I think the the biggest thing for me personally, um, going from a seller to a leader, is strictly just the time management piece. And, and I'll kind of label it this way, Rob. Like when you're a seller, you're only focused on your own world. Right. It's, it's, it's how you're managing your day. It's how you're building up your pipeline. It's how you're you're prospecting and, and shuffling out your meetings, so on and so forth. Um, so I was a little bit more it, it was probably too big of an ego statement for me, thinking that when I became a leader, I'd be able to do everything, meaning I'm like, OK, I, I can go on appointments with all these reps. I can help them close some sales. I'll give them some confidence and, and I'll be able to do, do it all right. The, the reality is you just don't have the time. Um, so I think once I, I learned that 
um, and it took me a, a little bit of, of, of kind of getting kicked in the face with it is as a leader, you no longer work for yourself and, and you essentially don't have people working for you uh, for for the money making hours, 830 to 530. You're working for them and you're working for the people that are, are underneath you. So, again, especially as an inside sales manager, you're, you're constantly teaching, you're constantly coaching, you're constantly uh, running training sessions and, 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 and developing people to the next level for them to take on that, that next role. But at the same time, you're also recruiting to bring in the, the future of the organization. So to be able to say that I, I'd be able to do it all was, was again, probably a little bit more of a, an ambitious statement at the, the beginning. But once I realized that it's no longer about me, um, that's when I think I took that next step forward uh, as a leader. So would that also be the biggest transition you had to make from going from best sales guy on the team to now the manager of the sales team? Yeah, I wouldn't say I was the best person on the team. Um, I think, uh, don't get me wrong, I was, I was good at what I did. Um, but I think that is the hardest transition, right? And, and it's just being able to think about some things bigger than yourself. Um, because it is about the team. It's about the mission. It's about what you're trying to accomplish. It's not about your own personal agenda as a leader on, on elevating your own career. I, um, I, I really enjoy, um, you know, as you kind of talk through that and talk through a lot of things, I also think that what you do kind of switching subjects here, um, you are incredibly active on LinkedIn. You have a big following. Um, can you talk about why you think it is so important to generate so much content uh, mm -hmm. on LinkedIn? And what are you trying to get out of uh, the content that you are sharing with uh, the LinkedIn community? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I mean, I, I think for me personally, the way I've always looked at it is, and, and again, this is not my own statement, and I was taught this, um, you are your own professional brand, right? So like your your legacy, so on and so forth, it's, it's the three things that, that people will say about you, um, again, when you're not around, and hopefully they're positive things, right? So being able to essentially develop your own professional brand in, in, a, in a certain way and, and be able to put that out, it's only going to help you. And, and to be honest with you, the reason why I do it now, Rob, it's just to share the the brand of, of what the Denver Nuggets are about, right? Like we have individuals that are, again, we're, we're big on the recruiting game where we're trying to find the, the best, the best in the industry to join our organization. Um, we have to make sure that individuals from from Pittsburgh, from Florida, from California, from Texas, so on and so forth, understand what the Denver Nuggets are about it's what our, our culture is um and i'm not talking about all the fun things of the culture like i don't define cultures like the happy hours and the, the bagels and the cups of coffee that kind of stuff um it, it's the people yeah. right it, it's, it's not yeah it's not the ping pong table it's oh the, yeah what what the actual interaction is like day to day yeah absolutely and, and, and don't get me wrong like do we do those things absolutely i would might argue we, we probably do too many of them um but it, it, it's the people that you're, again, bringing into the organization. It's it's the people that we're, we're promoting to AE level. It's the AEs that are going on to senior selling positions, sponsorship, premium. It's the individuals going to the, the leadership. So like five, six, seven years down the road from now, like no one's going to remember your, your sexy sales numbers from 2019, 2020, right? What they're going to remember is, is one impact that you had on others, but it's what your legacy looks like down the road, right? It's your family tree. It's your, your, your industry family tree is how I was always taught um, that. And, and again, I was fortunate to come from Pittsburgh where I have 
several individuals that I sold alongside that are now running their own teams all across the country. And, and what we value most about our time together um, is is how we we made each other better, right? And, and now we're we're all at different spots, um, sharing best practices. Like that's the cool part, right? It, it's it's down the road, and you can be able to tell the story of where everybody was at that point. You know, you are trying to recruit, you said it yourself, the best and the and the brightest, right? And I'm hopeful that the listeners of front office features are the best and the brightest, or at least strive to be. When you're on that first interview, second interview of a potential uh, sales associate or AE, what are you looking for? What do you look for in potential employees? That's a great question, Rob. And in full transparency, like it's it's not necessarily about where you went to school, what your major is in, what your, your GPA was, what internships you were in. Like those are all important. Don't get them wrong and, and make sure you check the box on on all of them. Um, we're hiring a person, right? We're, we're not hiring the skill set. Like we're looking for the personality traits that we've been able to see as as successful in the sales world and, and, and again, evolving our staff to the next level. So simple personality traits as um, as being a, having a positive attitude, right? And because there's a lot of things we can't control uh, in the industry and you have to have a positive attitude because sales is a grind. It's individuals that are going to be coachable. Um, again, you're, you're coming in with a brand new profession that you've never done before. You have to be able to be coachable and, and, and learn that, that sales process and continue to evolve throughout your career. And lastly, it's, it, it's work ethic, right? It's, Sales is, it's a numbers game, especially when you're first starting out and you're coming in with a brand new uh, role with no book of business. You have to be able to put in the, the work. And I think specifically for us in Denver, we look for a certain level of mental toughness. Um, it, it's Denver is a very interesting market, right? Like it's very transit. We don't have a lot of people that have grown up in Denver, have watched the Nuggets their entire life and now are raising their hands saying, I want to be a season ticket holder. Um, yeah, right. It's not like the Celtics or something like that, that I would assume, or the Knicks or something yeah, like that, right? Absolutely. So again, those people don't know exist. And if they do, they already have tickets with us, right? So we're, we're trying to sell people that have just moved here from California, from, from Texas, from Florida, from Indiana, that have maybe never even been to an NBA game. So for us, and I'm not saying like we've revolutionize what sales is sales is sales wherever you go but our value proposition is a little bit different in denver and we have to have people that are mentally tough in, in order to know how to do that i think in general no matter what if you are trying to excel in anything you got to be mentally tough right everything's a grind uh you've got to you know i always say the best people don't get too high don't get too low they sit there in the middle and then just work their ass off um, and i feel like those people have some of the best success absolutely Absolutely. Um, we talk a lot and the kind of on the same vein, we talk a lot about standing out from the pack, networking like crazy uh, via LinkedIn, you know, trying to have as many informational interviews as possible. What are some of the best examples, best ways uh, you've seen potential employees stand out from the pack that made you stop and be like, holy cow, I got to hire this person? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all those things that you said, right? And there's that old saying, it's, it's, it's not necessarily what you know, it's who you know. Um, I don't necessarily believe that. Like it, it's more really? so. It, 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 well, I'm going to spin it. Um, okay. I, I think it's more so who knows you, right? Like oh, it, it's, 
when we're, it's just like sales, right? Like if a business owner is looking to buy, if you're top of mind with that business owner, you're going to get the sale over, over somebody else. And then one of your peers that is, is been calling on them. Right. So when we, when we go to post these positions, like we, we post an inside sales position with the Denver Nuggets, we're going to have 300 resumes on teamwork online. I'm going to have 50 emails on my inbox. I'm going to have another probably 25 on, on LinkedIn. And again, it, it's hard to be able to differentiate yourself from the pack, right? So to your point, it's everything you do on the front end. Like I can't tell you how many times when we post a position um, and say we're hiring a, a group of eight, we probably have three or four already spoken for, for people that have done the legwork on the front end. Amen. Uh, amen. Preach, preach, Elliot, preach. You're- you um, Tell the story. It's do do your legwork, but and and just the little things, right? It's it's you have to be a great storyteller and, and tell your background and, and and be able to translate on how that's going to fit our organization, our culture, how you're going to align with your boss, right? Because I said before, you are you are doing it because you're picking the boss, and and you have to find the right one because it is so crucial throughout your career. Um, but then after that, it's it's be remembered. Send a great follow up. Send a handwritten note. No one says a handwritten note anymore. Um, right. And it's gotta be the easiest thing ever. Just yeah. write buy. I tell people go buy a thing of thank you notes. We'll reimburse you and then send a thank you note. You should send a thank you note after like every meeting. Yes. It's, it's, it's the little things right now. Like we are in such a, a huge information overload world where we're so text, uh, reliant on, on cell phones and emails and, and social, like have the ability to stand out where again, years ago, that, that wasn't necessarily standing out because everybody was doing it. Like it's more important now um, to be able to differentiate yourself. Right. Um, I want to get your opinion on something. So Chris Valente, who's the director of sales at FSM and I do this podcast together. And once a week we talk through um, sports business issues. We talk through just different things to help uh, people start and grow their careers. One of the things that we talked about was LinkedIn. And I kind of had a hot take. And I want to get your opinion on my hot take because I'm looking for someone to debate me a little bit. Um, when I'm on LinkedIn and I can see uh, people's posts and they uh, provide uh, content or whatever, do you ever feel like it can be too much? Like if some, if you see someone post for like the thousandth time, you're just like, geez, oh man, buddy, take it easy. Mm-hmm. Or is that just me being cynical, Northeast, um, type of type of person what are your what are your thoughts do you think that there's like a you know a a fine line of like way too much and then you know you don't want to post not enough right because you want to be able to build your professional brand like you discussed Mm -hmm. but i was kind of more talking about the the far end of that is like geez oh man pal like how many times are you gonna tell me that it's gonna be okay today does that make sense yeah, no, and I completely understand where you're coming from. And again, if, if I had the right answer, I'd obviously be in a, in a much more elevated role than I am today. Um, <laughs> I, I think personally, it I don't necessarily think there's a, a number as far as it being too much. It, it's it's what is the content, right? And and we teach us to our 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 sales staff as well. Is like when you're when you're posting on LinkedIn, like it should be a story. Like I am not a big fan of the product dumps, meaning like, hey, here's my entire seating chart with every single price point um call me if you're interested in buying like like what type like how little skill does that actually take to actually put up your your seating map right and, and yeah right hoping it's not engaging either right yeah, yeah got it so your like, tickets are on sale yeah being a prisoner of hope and, and hoping someone like actually contacts you um i think it is to be when you're posting though the content has to be relevant Right. Because the whole goal of social and LinkedIn specifically is you're trying to become a 
an expert in your field, right? And looked as a thought leader to all your followers. And I'm not saying it has to be the most crazy content in the world. Like we're all not Gary Vaynerchuk and, and posting 300 pieces of content a day and, and living in that world. Um, but it has to be relevant, right? And you have to be able to mix it up because who's not to say that an engaging post about what you provided for one of your season ticket holders or a story about one of the players on your team um, or a testimonial from business owner, like who's to say that doesn't impact somebody else that that's not necessarily living in, in one of those separate verticals um, that they, the next time you call them through your lead list, they're going to at least going to pick up the phone because they've been seeing what you've been doing on, on LinkedIn. They're like, Hey, the name with the face sounds familiar. This person's absolutely credible. Um, they are a thought leader. I'll at least take the call. Because that's the end, that's the goal, right? It's to get people on the phone, and more so, it's how do we get them face to face and and have that that interaction with the meeting. So, I don't necessarily think I have the right answer, Rob. But I do think quantity is important, um, but I do think there is kind of that the line in the sand where it can be a little bit overwhelming if it's the same message over and over and over again. Yeah, I, I guess it goes back to the whole thing of build your brand the way you want to be perceived, um, while always prioritizing quality over quantity. Correct. Yeah. And that story, you know, who does a good job was, uh, uh, of that is uh, one of our front off past front office features guests is a guy named Jack Tipton. He's a senior corporate sales guy for, uh, for the penguins. Yeah. So Jack and I went to elementary school together. Oh, wow. And we reconnected because I saw he posted something on LinkedIn. And I had, I haven't talked to him in thirty years. See, that's the that's the Pittsburgh ties again. There you go. There we go. Um, so, as as we kind of finish up here, I got kind of two questions for you. One, we are in unprecedented, crazy times here with the coronavirus. Um, from a business standpoint, how are you guys handling this with the with the Nuggets and your and your membership sales team? Yeah, I mean that's that's a great. Uh, question, Rob. And, and to be honest with you, if anyone says they have the right answers right now, they're completely full of it because we, we've never had to do this before. Right. And, and I don't think anybody has the right answer. Um, we're we're fortunate that we work in the NBA where it's one of the top pillars of the, the industry that is, is known for best practice sharing. Right. And we're, we're constantly on NBA calls with with other teams um, because at the end of the day, we're, we're not we're not competing off the court. Right. Like we are on the court, yep. just making sure we have the best practice sharings across the, the league um, for us here in, in Denver, how we've been handling it. Again, we've been a little bit more on the the conservative side. Right. Like if you're a sales rep right now and, and you're not leading with empathy, you're going about it the wrong way, um, because, it, again, this is not necessarily a hard sale time. I think for us, it's 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 one. It's making sure that our our current season ticket members, partial plan holders, group leaders, so on and so forth, um, just understand that we're there for them, right? And, and we're going through this uh, at the same time they are. And, and again, this is not necessarily a, a impacting sports; it's impacting the the world, right? So it's making sure that you're you're one empathetic of that and, and understanding that it, it might not be the hard time to push someone over the line yeah. that you've been trying to get. Um, over for for about six months or so right so i think for us it's it's leading with that um and and we're doing a lot more of the the welfare checking calls that kind of stuff as well but i think overall if if our reps had to kind of put um some feedback on it we've actually been very very surprised as far as how engaging our fans have been right like we're we're getting 
as much in one day as from a news cycle that we were getting basically in two weeks time before. Yeah, you, right? that's a great point. That's a great so point. It's, it's a lot. So I think people are, are one, appreciative that we're, we're calling and, and checking in, but more so they're wanting to talk about sports, right? It's, it's, it's what are they looking forward to most when, when sports return? Because sports has always been there as the um, kind of like our, our anchor in, in times of uncertainty and, and peril that, that happens in the country. Right. So to not have it during this time is, is, is one is it's, it's kind of weird. Right. But it, it's yeah. also we're, we're all dying to have that that community involvement. Right. Because the, the best thing about sports is when you're in an arena of of 20,000 fans or, or 40,000 or depending on what type of league you're in, so on and so forth, you feel like you're part of a, a group of fan, friends that is, is bigger than yourself. Right. And, and you can high five a complete stranger that you've never met because of your same passion for the team. Right. And we don't have that right now. So I think having the ability to have our reps have those interactions with their clients, with their their, their connections, so on and so forth, is has been obviously good. And, and we're, we're learning every single day and involving what we're doing every single day, because I mentioned at the very beginning of this. Um, no one has the answers right now on, on what the, the best thing to do is. Yeah. Like you said, no empathy is going to win the day on, on this one. So um, that's it. It's, I like to talk to other uh, folks like this because it gives me, as we do the same thing here in Pawtucket is just like, all right, we're all kind of t- type A personalities. Like we want to go do something. We want to go fix it. But here it's like, you just got to chill be empathetic on what's going on. Um, and it just provides me some sanity, I guess, of saying like, we're doing the right things. So I would just, uh, I was, I was interested in your thoughts. So as we close up, if someone is starting their career, or just getting started or just kind of are in the early stage of their career and you could give them three pieces of advice in a succinct fashion, what would those three pieces of advice be? Yeah, I mean, I, I give the, the three pieces of advice as far as what you're looking for in the organization, right? And and, and for me personally, I've always laid it down to five, um, but the, the last two aren't necessarily important because it's, it's compensation location. When you're first starting out, just completely throw those things aside because they're, they're not important. Number one is, is the advice I gave earlier, don't chase the logo, chase the boss. Find the best leader that you can find out there that you know will give you the strongest foundation possible to not succeed in your first role, but to set you up for the rest of your career and, and give you that foundation. That is end all be all by far the most important thing you can look for. Number two, it's it's finding the encompassing leadership team um, that you align with, right? So that that's everybody in the organization because the way we view it in Denver, uh, recruiting is not a one man job. It is an entire organizational initiative and, and we lead as a team. So finding the the right people that are are in charge because they're the ones that are going to steer the ship and, and you have to align yourself with the, the best leaders out there. Lastly, it's it's finding the right culture for you. And, and culture, Rob, is, is such a buzzword right now. And I mentioned before, it, it's not the fun things of the culture. It's, it's does the culture that organization have a, a regimented and consistent training platform that they're constantly training week in and week out. And in Denver, we train multiple times a week as a, an entire group. Um, do they have a success record of being able to elevate individuals' careers, right? Like, and I'm not talking about promotion percentages because everyone touches on that. Oh, we have a hundred percent promotion percentage. Like it's probably not good if you have a hundred percent promotion percentage. Yeah, it means you have a lot of turnover. 
Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's putting the best of the best up boards internally. And, and we, we, we pride ourselves on trying to be able to keep the best talent in, in Denver, but when we don't have the opportunity to do so without slots, it's, it's finding the right situation for those individuals, um, regardless of league, regardless of location, that they can continue their career at the high level. So I think it's those three things, Rob. It's the boss, it's the leadership in, team in place, and, and it's the culture of the organization that's going to set you up for success, not in that first job, but for the rest of the career, as long as you are in sports. I love it. Uh, Elliot, I'm so thankful that you took the time to join us here on Front Office Features. Uh, if they want to go do the uh, Leadership 101 uh, with you, where could, uh, where could our listeners find that information? I mean, the easiest thing is, is to find me on LinkedIn, Rob. And again, I'm not the best at returning emails and stuff like that. If it, if it gets a LinkedIn, you send me an email, like I might not get back to you the next day. I promise I will get back to you. Um, <laughs> no, I'm with you on that one. Anything going on. Um, but LinkedIn is the easiest way to find me. All my contact information is on there. And, and obviously, I'm happy to help um, anybody that's looking to progress into our business. Because again, I was, I was awarded those same opportunities when I was getting in. Elliot, I'm so thankful uh, you joined us today. Uh, it was very insightful. I found it very valuable. Uh, and thank you so much uh, again. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate the opportunity, sir. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com/safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.